It is Fight Talk podcast time once again. We thank everybody for, for joining us. We always appreciate the listen, the download, however you are you're experiencing this week's episode and every other week. We're back with, of course, uh, talk about this past weekend's UFC Fight Night, main evented by Curtis Blades and Derek Lewis. Uh, we're going to preview this weekend coming up's Fight Night with Rosenstrike and Surreal Gain slash Gone, depending on who you ask, uh, and uh, and some bullshitter I'm sure across the uh, the way, man. Of course, John Mosley joined uh, here as always with with the man himself, Stephen Jensen. Um, we usually talk a little indie wrestling out of the gate, man. And uh, before you beat me to it, fucking four taped shows uh, in like four hours, four and a half hours. Saturday, bro, it was a weekend. Oh, yeah, man. For those of you listening right now, myself and Moe's talked for the last, like, three hours before <laughs> this about, about indie wrestling off the air. Um, so, yeah, big shout out to uh, to what you're doing, man. Moe's talking about New South Pro Wrestling. They just uh, just recorded a bunch of, uh, bunch of shows for independentwrestling.tv. And, uh, yeah, you got a lot of good stuff going on there and all over the independents, man. Yeah, doing, doing uh, everything I can. It's been... Uh, it's been a busy year already, um, but of course we've got Mania Weekend or whatever Independent Weekend too. I don't know. I think they gave it a name. I know they're doing the collective stuff for GCW, but Independent Wrestling is kind of doing their uh, Independent Wrestling TV, doing their own, I guess, section of the weekend as well. And uh, and Southern Underground Pro Action will be down there for that. So I'm I'll be doing calm there. Of course, New South uh, Big Hoss Weekend coming up March fifth and sixth and then action is back i believe march 19th so yeah the next three four weeks super busy and uh, hopefully we will have some bangers to talk about bro hell yeah man and speaking of bangers and speaking of independentwrestling.tv yes for those of you who have listened to my shows whether it's here or with me and jesse on youtube or if you listen to the fightful select weekender podcast that i record every sunday at fightful I say over and over, like I'm always, you know, out there promoting independentwrestling.tv because it's a it's a platform that I really believe in. I watch more IWTV than I, that's probably my number one place that I consume independent wrestling. In my opinion, and I've said this for years, it's the best ten dollars a month that I spend on wrestling or even MMA for that matter. I mean, I I think that you know, in comparison to UFC Fight Pass, I think IWTV is a way better value personally. You know, there's there's a lot of reasons that I love independentwrestling.tv. And for the longest time, I've I've said I'm not endorsed or sponsored by IWTV, but I'm telling you this stuff because I believe so much in it and I want you to check it out. But that changed today. We are sponsored by independentwrestling.tv. So if you want to Boom. go over there and check out the stuff we've been talking about, um, if you want to watch indie wrestling, if you want to support indie wrestling, um, I could not recommend this service enough. Mo, me and Mose are always talking about it. We'll uh, we'll incorporate a little bit more of it into like the top of our shows. How me and Mose are just kind of talking about the stuff he's got going on in the various companies that you can check out. But if you want to check out independentwrestling.tv, you can jump over there and use code Fight Talk, all one word, F I G H T T A L K. You get five days for free. So if there's a show coming up. The, what I would recommend is if there's a show that you've been hearing about that you want to check out, use the code. 
if you know that there's a show coming up, you know, this weekend or next weekend, maybe something me and Mo's are talking about, then, you know, save it till then and, and get it for free. You're going to get five days for free whenever you use this code. So use it accordingly. And I guarantee you, after you use this five-day code, you're going to want to keep the service. I promise you, you're going to get your money's worth if you do the $10 a month deal that they've got going on. So once again, code fight talk, F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K. And that helps support our podcast. And uh, that's something I'm very, very proud to announce. Uh, as of today, we are officially sponsored. Um, have that code from IWTV. That's cool, man. It's it's one that uh, we, we've been, like you said, you've been after it for a minute. I've been talking to those, that crew, about uh, getting some kind of something code-wise. And, uh, and we got it. Um, definitely going to be... Yeah, anyone that uses that, there's so much on there. I can't even put into words how dip, there's a million styles of wrestling and every one of them are shown off on IWTV. So, yeah, definitely give them a tryout. Use the uh, the old promo code, man. Big big day already. Yeah, man, I'm really happy about that because it's a service I believe in so much. Like, it's just good to know that now I can officially tell people, like, check this out. And guess what? It's free if you use my code. So like the stuff I'm talking about, you don't even have to pay to watch for five right. days. And like, like I said, if you do it, if you if you take advantage of that five days for free, I promise you, if you consider yourself to be a fan of professional wrestling, you're going to find something on there. I, I You're going to find many things on there that you like, but I promise you'll find at least one thing that you're going to see is worth that ten dollars a month for you. Yeah, yeah. Could, could not set up better myself. Uh, I'll be on there every Tuesday and catch me. On the New South Action Clash, of course, uh, Action, one of the promotions that, that Jensen really is, you know, that, that sh- you were talking about that, that last show we did, um, like the next week we were still talking about it. So I know you enjoyed that one. Plenty of stuff that uh, that the man believes in, that I'm a part of. So definitely be helping us out. Um, like I said, uh, very excited, man, to have a code to throw out to these the, the folks, bro. Hell yeah, man. So once again, Fight Talk is the code f-i-g-h-t-t-a-l-k and uh yeah let's talk about the fights man i was gonna say yeah we've got a fight now to talk about of course the big big knockout uh heard and seen and talked about uh we're we're in addition to that got a little preview coming up but um there are a couple news stories we had kind of like talked well we'd i know we've seen all over the twitters uh all over social media and i wanted to uh just kind of throw out to see what you had thought we haven't talked about these off air at all this is just something i'm like uh, we have we not talked about this feels like a good uh a good time to to drop a couple of these um rumors that you know there there's maybe a revive to tough ultimate fighter could be back <clears throat> and possibly maybe um the 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 chance that kamara usman and uh masvidal street jesus it could be the coaches uh, again. I, nothing I've seen is like you know this is set in stone or even you know fair. Maybe even to say that it's happening not, nowhere near that. But uh, it's more of we have seen so many seasons of tough, great coaches. Even you know going back and looking, um, it was in a couple of months, but I was I'd watch season or season five again. It's like my favorite tough season, uh, shocker. But. Uh, there's a lot of the later seasons, we kind of, they got lost in the shuffle, man. We don't talk about them. There's really good fights on there. Um, they just really, the audience wasn't there all over the channels. I know they made a few switches like FS1 and all that shit, but 
would would tough coming back with Usman and Masvidal? Do you think that would be um, it'd be the juice would be worth the squeeze? Like the draw would be there. I mean, if they're gonna do that, I think. I mean, I think Masvidal is is still a pretty big draw for them. I think he would draw interest into the show as a coach. Usman, like, definitely deserves all of our respect. Like, undoubtedly, I, what Usman's doing right now is very, 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 very impressive, and he's carving out like he's already one of the he's already being talked about as one of the best welterweights of all time. Like, I still think he has a little ways to go before I'm comparing him to GSP, but. Like I said before, I think last week, if Usman wins another, you know, two, three, four, you know, big fights at welterweight, like I'm that comparison's fair, you know. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, he's on his way, and so I, I think those two being coaches would make for for a lot of interest, but it, I think it really depends on how they really market this show, like. If this is yeah. on, you know, is it, if it's on like ESPN and it's on like at a prime time spot or something and like they really heavily market it. Um, what I really like to see is them do the fights live again. I thought that was a great season yeah. when they had when they had live fights. Yeah, I thought that was the that makes it way more fun. Um, so but you're right, like. I'd say after like season 10 or so, I really started losing interest. I think season 10 was the heavyweights with Kimbo and Roy Nelson and those guys. That was, yeah, that was 10. Yeah. And I think around that time after that is when I started like kind of slowly losing interest. And then there was like, all of a sudden they had like, you know, tough Brazil and like these other tough offshoots and stuff. So it got really hard to like keep up with all of it. And the concept just got got kind of played out, you know, like, but I don't necessarily have a problem with the format or the show or, or, or anything. It's just, can you market it? Can you get really good fighters on the show? Uh, you know, can you put it on a channel and at a time where people are going to care? And for me, like I said, you know, if they could do the fights live, that adds another, another layer of like why I would want to watch. So if they could do those things, I think it could be pretty cool. Um, as far as like them being the coaches, though, the only issue I have with that is I just don't want to see Masvidal and Usman fight each other right now. Again, yes. I just, you know, I'm just not that interested in it, but I think that's it. But it would make sense to have them as the coaches of this show because, you know what I'm saying? Like there's kind of like the star powers there and the matchup still makes sense. But I just think there's people that Usman should be fighting instead of Masvidal next. That's like the only issue I have with it. No, I think you summed it up great. Uh, definitely draw anything with Masvidal is, I think, a good idea. You know that uh, you know that Usman is kind of the the long game right now. To your point about he stacks up a few more big time title defenses, then you know there's some real credence to him being mentioned. We start talking about you know one of the best here, and then you're always going to have your fan base saying, well. For these reasons, he should be in this discussion. Uh, so a season like this, it's more eyes, maybe br- br- bringing more fans along the way. Um, I- I'm just with you. The fight itself, like, it, it, I had to go, again, I am pulled it up now just because I was curious. There have been so many seasons since that, uh, the heavyweight season, which I, 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 like you, I watched, I think, every week of. I definitely watched the finale. So many of these seasons, I was, I remember starting and just, 
I, I, you know, I didn't finish the season, but I would watch the finale when it was on. You know what I mean? Yeah, for um, sure. You've got like, I remember the Bisbing, uh, Michael Bisbing, Mayhem Miller season. Like, I actually went back and watched that one probably last year. I watched a few of these that I hadn't really watched all the way through. That was a great season. But again, you look at who came out of that. You got Dodson, you've got Diego Brandau, TJ Dillashaw, Dennis Bermudez. That's a stacked fucking, like, that's a lot of talent. You know what I mean? Like, so that's what I think it ends up coming down to with these seasons. You can have these coaches that are going to really may play off each other well. Like Ronda and Misha, that that was one that a lot of talent came out of that. But it really, you know, that was a real life kind of feud shit. Um, that's going to help, but it's going to come down to the talent. And like you said, it's going to come down to a, a, something a little different. The live again, uh, something a little bit uh, for someone to sink their teeth into. And the the uh the ads and all that it needs to be on a good channel i love the idea like espn plus right they're already on it like the idea of maybe it airing on espn plus i would probably i mean i have espn plus anyway for the pay-per-views but i would i would search out on a weekend you know or, or if they aired it you know eight o'clock on a tuesday on espn plus if i could i could you know i'd try to get there um and watch it definitely watch it on demand so you know what i'm saying like it would it would give me at least in just having it back on that platform it's right there but it's going to come down to the talent and uh and, and that's what it ends up always you know these these seasons that we end up latching onto, the coaches are fine but it's those you know those guys that you know again what was the season brock and uh, jds you've got mm-hmm. tony ferguson on that season right i mean uh court mcgee's a story we've kept we both kept up with he was you know we're talking 11 years ago now his season so um, I'm interested. I, I would probably have picked other coaches, um, but it, it's there. It's Masvidal, right? It's Masvidal Tuesman. You're playing into what we talked about last week, the full camp, best of all that crap. But I just I think that's a fight we can build for two weeks or two years. And I think I know how it's going to go at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and I mean, it also depends on kind of like what fighters are available or want to do it. Because, like, if you, like, even from, like, a coaching standpoint, like, if they really want it, like, a lot of interest, they should do Connor and Poirier as the, as the coaches. Because that would be, like, because then good personalities, two good teams. Yeah, and people would watch that. Like, no matter what, people would watch to see what Connor and, you know, just to see more Connor. And then, of course, you have, you know, Gustin's got a real big fan base, and he's, like, you know, hotter than he's ever been as far as, you know, his UFC career right now. So, like, I mean, but then the other side of it is, you know, which, who's choosing the fighters? And, like, yeah. like, like, what I mean by that is I know on, like, for Spike TV, for instance, when Tough was on Spike, I have heard stories about the UFC wanting certain people on the Ultimate Fighter, but then Spike kind of forcing them to choose certain people because they made for better reality TV. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that battle. And yeah, so it's like there's that aspect. And then kind of the the big intangible now is that, you know, now we have the contender series. So Dana White already has like a feeder yeah. system yep. into the UFC so it's like, do you just take some of those people that like are up and comers that were going to be on the contender series and maybe you put some of them on tough or is it something where like the better fighters are on contender series because Dana White's already like you can get a contract off one fight on that show and then 
tough is more like the ridiculous, not necessarily ridiculous, but the, uh, like the personality based show where like the fighters might not be as good, but like the drama and entertainment of what happens with them all having to live together. Um, you know, maybe I'm not saying they're not necessarily going to be like bad fighters or anything, but like, will the better fighters be on contender series? And like, will you maybe get kind of like the, you know, the more personality type guys on tough, you know what I mean? No. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, you know, you, you had me, the gears kind of work and I had never thought of, I guess that dynamic. I just kind of was like, Oh yeah, these are, these are fire, you know, great fighters, but there has to be that thought of like, well, what's going to make good TV. And then you start looking at like, you know, uh, the se- I don't know why this came to my mind, but the season where Rampage and Forrest were coaches and you're like, a couple of those cats in the house felt more like, looking back on it now, like felt more like, you know, this is a character and then you've got, you know, Tim Cruder, who has been a coach for, for Dustin Poirier, Matthew Riddle, current WWE United States champion, I think. Uh, yep. Fucking Mike Dolce and the Dolce Diet, bro. Like, this is a crazy yeah. kind of mix of characters. So that is a great point. You got to think, though, it, the, with it being ESPN Plus, they wouldn't really give a shit, so they could pick their best fighters. But you you brought up the best, you know, the biggest point of all of where does that leave contender st- series if Tough is back? Well, yeah, especially for those like more kind of I don't say serious because I think anyone who's fighting is they're right. serious about it. But like, like you know, if I have the option, if I'm like a really good fighter that's making a name for myself in like independent companies and I'm presented the option of doing contender series or doing tough. I would do contender series 10 out of 10 times. Like that's one fight, yeah. you know, yep. Yep. and, and you know what you're there for and there's no having to live with other people and all that stuff. Like if this option existed, someone like Matt Brown would have never done the ultimate fighter. You know, like when he was on that show, I remember he was the kind of guy who he kept to himself when he'd have to do interviews for the camera, he all he would talk about would be like, yeah, I'm not friends with these guys. Like, I'm here to win a UFC contract. Like, I'm the only one taking this shit seriously. Like, like I don't, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to yeah, win a contract. Like, yeah. yep. like, you know, like, and that's, you know, and I think those kind of guys would be way better suited to just do contender series because it's like, you know, you know what I'm saying? I, I think anyone listening gets the point I'm trying to make. So yeah. it's like, um, so there, there is that intangible that didn't exist before where, you know, contender series, who goes contender series, who goes tough house, you know, maybe you're a fighter and you think it's just going to be an easier path, like, because you figure the people on tough might just be worse fighters. Maybe you choose that instead, or, you know, there might be reasons why people want to do certain things versus others. I don't know, but, um, but yeah, that just has to be considered, you know, contender series out there also. No, that's I think that is the biggest kind of hurdle, maybe from that side of it, at least um, for bringing the tough brand back. But definitely, you know, we'll keep an eye on that. Anything else? Definitely just rumor now. But that's a brand that it's it kind of brings back great memories. But then you realize, like all the seasons you love, you know, were like 11, 12 years ago. So, yeah, um, I mean, like I said, I would give it a shot. I feel like it would be like recent seasons that. I'm in for a couple episodes, but you really got to, you know, really got to have great fighters, good story going in. Because, again, it's, you know, when we're talking 12, 13, 14 episodes, I can't remember how many they were. Um, That's that's a lot of television, bro. That's a lot. So 
Uh, keep an eye out for tough, tough stuff. Yeah, tough stuff coming <laughs> out. Maybe, maybe not. Um, and fight news, like fight, fight kind of news, if you will. Rumors seriously kind of building, man, that we're going to get Gilbert Burns and Colby Covington, number one contender fight. Uh, with how things went with Gilbert in there recently with Kamaru, uh, what are kind of some thoughts that popped in your head hearing, you know, I love, for me, I love the idea that he wants to get in there quick, but, you know, worst case scenario, that's 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 two pretty big, you know, we'll just say two pretty big challenges, you know, right back to back and in in not too long of a time from what it might sound like. Yeah, but on the flip side, if he beats Colby, he's like right back in the mix for the title. So Great point. So, I mean, it's, I, I mean, understand that's a, why. That's a number one content. Like, no one can argue, you know what I mean? Like, no matter what you thought about Gilbert losing the way he did, there's no way to deny that's a, that's a number one contender fight. Yeah, and it, it is a fight that only makes sense if they're going to be, I mean, I you have to assume they're going to do Usman and Masvidal because, like, that is what we were just talking about with Tough. That is what, that is what they've mainly been tweeting about and stuff. And the only free option right now within the top five, someone who hasn't fought is, is Steven Wonderboy Thompson. Um, so, and I want, like, I personally, I want to see that fight. I'd rather see Wonderboy fight Usman than see Masvidal fight Usman again, personally. But I have to imagine with the way things are playing out that they're going to do. I mean, I guess one thing they could do is if they're going to wait to see what happens with, you know, Leon Edwards is going to be fighting Bilal Muhammad. So if, you know, which, you know, huge shout out to Muhammad, he fought like last weekend and he's going to be stepping in against Edwards, you know, on short notice, their fights in like two weeks or yeah, something like or three weeks, something like that. So, um, so, you know, huge shout out there, but I don't think they're really waiting on that because this, this whole division is kind of a mess right now. Cause like Edwards, I think already deserves a title shot. But he's yep. been, but he's been real. He's been inactive. So it's like I also understand them not giving him the title shot. Like I think he's done enough to get it, and especially in comparison to the people who haven't had a chance at the title yet. Because he's, as far as the people who haven't had a shot at the belt, it's it's Edwards and Thompson. Well, against Usman for the belt would be Edwards and Thompson. So, you know, it's it's just tough. But then like, I I have I, I guess this is a long way of just kind of thinking out loud, like. I'd assume they're going to do Masvidal and, and Usman again is what it looks like. Yeah. So if, yeah, if you're so going like to do that, you know, if you're going to do that and you're going to also do Gilbert Burns versus um, Gilbert Burns versus Colby Covington. I mean, yeah, yeah, that has to be the number one contender fight. And like, unfortunately for Leon Edwards, it's this, the what really sucks for Leon Edwards is like, mm-hmm. He had, like, really what makes the most fucking sense is just doing Edwards and Masvidal. The fucking history is there. The beef's there. You run that fucking three-piece in a soda thing a thousand times in the build-up to the fight. You have them <laughs> talking shit to each other. And you settle it in the octagon. Like, in the rank number three and number four. If So if Leon Edwards beats Bilal Muhammad, I think they should do Edwards and Masvidal. Like, that's really makes the most sense for both guys. But... Now, but it's like Thompson's in this mix, Kiesa's in this mix somewhere. But so there's a lot of things that have to like play out, and we got to figure out for sure what's going to be next for Usman. But if you're looking at the rankings and you're looking at the other people that each have, have defeated, I feel like you can't deny the winner of. Uh, well, 
it's tough, man. If Colby wins, he for sure gets a title shot. If Burns wins, I don't know. And I know that sounds like contradictory, but like Covington brought Usman to the fifth round and they were in deep waters. And that was like a fucking close back and forth fight. The Burns fight, like he caught him early, but then it was all Usman and he finished him in the third. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I have a lot more interest in Covington rematch against Same. Usman. So I no, would say, more. so maybe that's how it plays out. Maybe it's if Covington beats Burns, he gets Usman next. Um, if, uh, well, assuming Masvidal is going to fight Usman, we have Covington Burns, and then, um, you know, uh, if if uh, if Burns wins, you do Burns and Edwards for number one contender after that, I guess. But I don't really have any interest in seeing Burns fight Usman like anytime really in, soon. Yeah, that that was my big it, it, that big thought in the back of my head, but. Um... I said the same thing you kind of let off with that if you know what, no matter what I think um, about that, if he goes out there and, and, and finishes or beats Colby, um, then you know what he's due, he's due another crack, uh, maybe soon, definitely sooner than I would have liked a uh, big time fight. Definitely be on the lookout um, for whenever that becomes official. Cause again, these are just pretty, pretty, pretty good sized rumors. The last thing, I definitely wanted to ask you about before we get into this uh, this Blades and Lewis talk is well, it's you're right. I think you know we've we've really been talking about this Habib story. Uh, will he come back? Right, that's the big question mark. I've said pretty steadfastly uh, that I don't think because of the family stuff, I, my gut keeps telling me he's not. You've stayed pretty sure that it's possible we could see him back. You've definitely been more open than I am. I, apparently, he said in a a quote kind of. It was definitely over the weekend that he he's not going to fight at 170 again, but, you know, his natural weight being around 180, he would be open to maybe like a catch weight, something around 177, 176, um, where he could be that way maybe on fight night. So um, the, the name GSP get, got brought up again, and it was it's very much sounding like, you know, if if he had the opportunity to to be in the cage with GSP, he would do it around that weight class. So, um, do you think? What, okay, let me ask you this: better do do we have better odds of Habib not fighting again ever, or does he get the this fight, the GSP fight? Uh, that's hard to choose one or the other. I would say uh... the fact that Dana wants it, and I think the fact that Habib is kind of keeps going back to it. Obviously, we know it's uh, it comes down to if GSP wants to get back in there. But two out of three, man, it feels like you know I, I don't know. We, we've I guess I'm more I'm more open to it, man. I think I think there's a possibility way more than even a yesterday. If you'd ask me this, that we do see this. Yeah, I mean, it all ultimately comes down to what GSP wants to the do. Rush, that's, yeah. that's what you said. I mean, it's like I think if GSP is on board. And he signs the dotted line that Habib would also. That's a huge pay-per-view. I mean, that is, I know GSP's not, neither one of these guys are money guys, but you, I mean, there's a lot of zeros in that fight. Yeah. And you literally market it as the goat fight. Like, I mean, that's like. Habib looking for 30 and 0, right? Yep. And then, I mean, and you had GSP who is arguably the greatest fighter of all time, multiple weight class champion and. You know, the, a pioneer of the sport, basically, of the modern era of the sport. Uh, just this re- just remarkable, like, 
uh, uh, role model in the world of MMA for all those years and, and all that stuff. Like he's in Khabib's the same way. I mean, it's like, they're both these like very respectable and well-respected figures in MMA. And both of them have legitimate, there's a legitimate argument that can be made for both of like them being the best fighter of all time, any weight class pound for pound. So like, you know, this, this it's the kind of opportunity where like, you know, how bad did we want to see Anderson Silva and GSP when they were both in their primes and we never got it, you know, GSP, maybe not quite in his prime anymore, but who fucking knows that guy's a savage. Like he could still be in his prime right now. We just don't know. it. it's not like he's super old. He, he retired with his health. Um, and then Habib, we know is still in his prime based on what he's doing to all of his opponents. Everyone. So, I mean, this is really the, the best fight we'd ever get as far as like, who is the best of all time. And who, you know, really like that would settle it. I think like that, if Habib GSP, he's the best ever. If GSP beats Habib, it's like, you're the best ever, man. Like not only did you do everything you did at welterweight, you went up and you beat Bisbing for the middleweight title. Then you came back and then you beat the best lightweight of all time after that. Like you'd have to say GSP is the goat. So like, that's just, it markets itself. It, it markets itself. It's gigantic money. I, I just, I think you don't even really need a lot else. We, we are both very big proponents of of cards that are are put together well but that is one you could lean on that hard and it still be a giant pay-per-view so you put you put some good stuff around that main the, that fight and it is i mean i can't the, the numbers would be unbelievable even through that pay window of espn plus now if you had this like on a pay-per-view debt back in the day uh, i don't even know the amount man like we're talking uh we're talking like big time huge boxing mma no matter the sport kind of numbers Oh yeah, man, it'd be fucking huge, and that's the and that's the kind of thing that I think, like, personally speaking, I mean, if this fight's available, I want to see it. But you know, I would also fucking hate to see Habib come back like against his own better judgment and like, right. yep. and then like lose or something. You know what I mean? Like, I like the fact that G- that that Habib retired, and I'd like to see him just stay retired. I don't want to see him being pressured back into anything that he doesn't want to do. But as, as a fan, though, on the same, you know, actually on the flip side of that, it's like if I had the opportunity to watch GSP and Anderson Silva in their primes, like I said, like I would a million percent have wanted to see that. Like I, you know, this this is an opportunity to see a fight that's like a once in a lifetime type of type of fight so you know i but that's really all that i think because i think at this part at this point it's pretty clear that you know as much as i think charles Oliveira deserves a title shot and i want to see Oliveira and habib mm-hmm. i i think that it just doesn't it's just not appealing to habib it, what's the what is uh what's the, the needle it doesn't i'm with you that's a fight it's a short list fight i would you know if we had shows like if we could go to you know what i mean like I would love to be there to see that fight live, but it does not move the needle. Yeah, exactly. Like, so I just don't, I mean, Habib moves the needle, but it wouldn't be like a, uh, it wouldn't be like a, him and McGregor type. Nope. I was going to say the same thing. Like it wouldn't be him and Connor. It, it may not be him and Dustin. Uh, yeah. I mean, may, they'd have to, it depends on how they would build up, build up. On I'm just saying media. from our, I think Dustin, even at that point, was bringing in some kind of, you know, I mean, yeah. that casual fan base, I guess. I, I just think, again, Charles Oliveira doesn't, 
I, I don't think that's a big enough number. I, that's again, I think I've said it before. That's the biggest reason I think we haven't like Dana hasn't tried to make that, that fight happen more. I thought, I just think he's thinking, you know, about them zeros. Yeah. When I, I think he's thinking about the zeros when he's, you know, you know, we have, if they're going to do Dustin and Connor, if they're going to do yeah, that trilogy. Sounds pretty like that. That's very well uh, a target. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's going to happen. And I don't really have a problem. I, I don't even have a problem with it with the titles on the line, to be totally honest. But I'm hoping it's a non-title fight. And I hope they do Gaethje and Oliveira for the belt. But it's like, you can tell the UFC still... Like, I think part of the reason why they're going to do Connor and Dustin as soon as they can is because if Connor wins, then they can still keep trying to go back to Habib about fighting Connor again. Because that's like the real, that's the most money they can make is the two of them in the same octagon. Yep. So it's just one of those things where it's like, I could also totally see something happening where, you know, Connor beats Poirier. Because I think I think Connor has a damn good chance of beating Poirier in the third fight. Like I I think Poirier has a damn good chance of beating Connor again too. Like I, I think it's still pretty 50-50 if I'm being totally honest. And it, even if Connor wins that fight, even if he knocks him out, doesn't matter how it is, that changes nothing for Habib. Like it still does nothing for him other than coming back and making a lot of money, which he's proved he doesn't need any more money. So it's like the UFC would be doing all this kind of for nothing if, if if their big end game is Connor beating Poirier and then Connor and Habib. I don't think Habib has any fucking interest in fighting Connor McGregor ever again. Like, and he yeah. shouldn't. He, he shouldn't. Yeah. He it was completely one sided. And so if Habib's gonna fight again, it's got to be against someone he hasn't fought before, and it's got to be a big name, and it's got to be somebody who he really, really respects, and somebody that he gets something out of on like a personal level. So it's got to be someone like GSP. That's really the, it's got to be GSP or it's got to, I know he, he said in that interview that he doesn't want to fight at welterweight. So it basically rules out Usman because that's the only other option that I think would make any sense at all. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I, if, if Khabib's going to fight again, I'm fine with GSP, but like, I just really hope that they're not putting all their eggs back into like another Connor Habib basket. And that, and that's why they're not letting this guy retire. Like, you know, because mm-hmm. what, I, what I really want to see them is just, is just fucking just take, have Habib just send him the fucking belt. Like, you know, just be done with it. Like I love Habib Nurmagomedov. He's one of the best fighters ever. If he can fight as long as he wants to, but if he doesn't want to fight anymore, I don't want to hear him talking about it anymore. I don't want to hear the UFC talking about how they're going to have more meetings with him. Just let him go. Do do what Henry Cejudo is one of the best fighters y'all ever had. And he was a double mm-hmm. weight class champion. He retired. And within fucking minutes, it felt like they were setting up Peter Jan's next fight so he could win the title. You know what I mean? Like they, they had no problem letting him go. Yeah, let's say they, they were cool with him going before he finished the sentence. Exactly. And it's because... They don't have the option of doing Henry Cejudo versus Conor McGregor. You know, that's what I think the whole thing is here is like dangling Habib around long enough to where like they can get Conor into a position that will lure a Conor and Habib rematch because that is the most money that they can make. Um, If GSP is ready to go and he wants to fight, then they then in all honesty, the UFC really, really lucked out. The GSP was down to do this. 
Because otherwise, there is no other reason for Habib to fight ever again, if I'm Habib Nurmagomedov. No, I think that's that's the one. I think there's a better chance. I can't believe I'm saying it. I think there's a much better chance we get Habib and GSP than we get Habib and, and Ol- Oliveira at this point. Yeah, it's, for sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think. So be on the lookout for that. Um, any news out of Habib, uh, I'm with you. I want to see him back in the cage. I think that's a big money fight. We already know that George can come back after any amount of layoff and still be, but I mean, his last fight might be my favorite at fight of his. Do you know? Like, yeah, it was awesome. When does, when do we ever say that? So, uh, yeah, definitely check out any news, anything else. We'll keep an ear to the ground, uh, on anything and all Habib, Nur, Gamo, Nerman, Gomedov. Champ for a reason. He just called him champ. Now we're finally down to talk about this Derek Lewis Curtis Blades card, dude. We so the prelim card loaded with a bunch of finishes. The main card more decisions, but capped off with a fuck you of a knockout from Derek Lewis to Curtis Blades second round KO performance of the night bonus. And Derek Lewis does what Derek Lewis does and just kind of you know throws a, a monkey wrench in there. A lot of us, myself, I thought Curtis Blades was going to use the wrestling to win. Um, not at all. Second round finish for, for Derek Lewis, bro. Yeah, dude. Uh, I mean, Blades was looking good the first round. Lewis, the thing with Lewis is he just throws so damn heavy. Like everything he throws has a potential to knock you out. And he's really, I mean, I can't even knock it. Like Derek Lewis is pretty open about the fact that he doesn't, particularly like train hard in comparison to most fighters. Um, He doesn't, he definitely doesn't do a lot of wrestling. He doesn't do a lot of jujitsu. He, from what I understand, he pretty much just goes into the gym, you know, lifts weights every now and then and, and hits mitts. You know, he probably does like some sparring with like, you know, headgear and like 16 ounce gloves, you know, that kind of stuff. But like, it's, it's it's the most one-dimensional game plan <laughs> that there is. But his knockout power, he's he's got such knockout power that, like, you know, there's always going to be the stuff where someone like Daniel Cormier is going to beat him 99 out of 100 times. But there's always that one chance that he, that he catches Daniel Cormier coming in on a shot like he did with Curtis Blades. You know, Alexander Volkov, I think, beats beats uh, Derek Lewis probably eight out of ten times. But two of those ten, he lands like he did against him that for that time that they fought. Like, with ten seconds left in the fight, he got his ass kicked for five rounds. But he landed that shot with ten seconds left, and you can't dispute it. Like, he did that. He won. Like, he knocked him out. He got the win. Fair and square. So, like, it's just, it's kind of fascinating. Like... Curtis Blades has a way better skill set. Curtis Blades is a great wrestler. Curtis Blades is way better on the ground. Curtis Blades has way better cardio. But it didn't matter because Derek Lewis landed a perfectly timed uppercut when Curtis Blades was going for a takedown. He basically did, like, that's what Justin Gaethje probably trained for his entire fight camp for Habib, was that exact situation. Like, that's that's how like that's the only way to get the job done against people like Habib, people like Curtis Blades is like you have to counter their wrestling or whatever and just be prepared for it and be ready and and land it when you need to. And that's exactly what Derek Lewis did, man. Like 
he was getting kind of pieced up a little bit and blades was landing some nice combos blades goes in for a takedown and lewis had it scouted and timed and with his power just knocked him out completely cold and you've got to give props to Derek lewis for being able to to do what he does I almost cost my man uh, some cash on this one. He last week he had me pick some winners for him. That I, I'm happy to say I got uh, I got those right last week. This week, you know, hey, well, I'm, I'm gonna put some money down on Derek Lewis, and I remember telling him like, man, you do you. Uh, I think Curtis Blades, the the wrestling, everything, it just you know. So obviously he keeps the money on Derek Lewis, trusts his gut. And uh, he was a better man than me. I had to point out, like, yo, you were right. And he goes, that's, ah, you know, I just thought, you never know with Derek's power. And I go, nah, man, you're right. Like, I'm over here saying, watch out for this, this, and this. And you're like, well, yeah, Derek just got to land one. And, and yeah, that's, that's all we needed. Uh, again, adding that $50,000 bonus to the pocket. He's the most interesting and, in, like, what what's the ceiling for Derek Lewis, right? I mean, the answer, I guess, is wherever wherever that punch can take him. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it's like if you were to fight Stipe, like, I think Stipe's, you know, I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen next. I, I'll say what I think is going to happen next for Lewis here in a second. But, like, okay. if, if we're talking, like, ceiling, and we figure, you know, if he were to fight the current UFC heavyweight champion, it's like... Stipe's boxing is way better. Uh, Stipe's wrestling is way better. Stipe's cardio is way better. But fuck, I mean, Derek Lewis, if Derek Lewis hits anyone with what he hit Blades with, it's, it's lights out. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, so uh, for that reason, it's always interesting. And the thing with Derek Lewis that, you know, because like, so Curtis Blades, right? He came into this fight and his only losses in the UFC, he lost to Nganu twice. He beaten everybody else. Derek Lewis, everyone forgets he has the win over Nganu. I mean, it was the worst fight of all time. But <laughs> but but technically speaking, I mean, he holds a win over Nganu, and people never bring it up because the fight was so bad. But oh, like, boy. if you if you look at their records though, and you look at the people that Derek Lewis has beaten, um, if you look at like going back to his win over Nganu, he beats Nganu, you know. Most boring fight ever, but I, it's one that I want to see in the future, though. Like, if they can go out there and deliver, people also forget this was right after Nganu had lost to Stipe for the title. He, like, he, he was in a rut, and that, and this was like just his like rut period because after this fight with Derek Lewis, Nganu has been completely unstoppable since then. But that's being said, Derek Lewis gets the decision over Nganu, he knocks out Volkov with 10 seconds left in the fight. He loses in a title fight to Daniel Cormier, but mm-hmm. Daniel Cormier, very similar situation to Curtis Blades, right? Like, if if Cormier would have, I, I, like, Cormier is going to beat him, like I said, almost every single time they fight, but Lewis has the puncher's chance, but Cormier just went in there completely outclassed and choked him out. Goes in there with Junior Dos Santos, who's just a way better boxer than he is, and that's kind of what I've been saying about Stipe in comparison to someone like Derek Lewis. But then, to, to Derek Lewis's credit, he beats Blagoy Avanov. Now, that was a really, really close fight. Um, beats Alir Latifi, and that was Latifi's heavyweight debut, I believe. But then he knocks out Alexi Olenek, and that was in the second round. Curtis Blades in the second round. So, like, he's on a four-fight win streak. His last two are knockouts against good fighters. We'll talk about Olenek uh, here in a minute. But, like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that's... 
it, I mean, he's it, it's it's one of those things. He's just, he's in a pretty good position. Like, I'll I'll let you give me your thoughts on this first, and then I'll tell you, you know, kind of who I think he'll fight next. But you know, what do you? I mean, Derek Lewis. I mean, he's a legitimate contender. No, it's it's what any night he could have. He can put you away in the first round, or it could be a decision win for you. There's really no rhyme or reason to it. The win, you know, the Adler, couple by decision in this four fight winning streak for Derek Lewis. So you can't deny, you know, back to back wins. You just mentioned Blades No Linux, uh, the loss to JDS, if you like it back in 2019. Um, I mean. That there's nothing here that makes you go, well, no, he, he doesn't have he doesn't have any say or, or right to be in there. It's just it's gonna it just comes down to that one, you know, that one thing that that punch. If you he can be defeated in so many other ways, but it doesn't matter if he connects, and that's what makes the fight game the fight game, right? Like I don't I, I don't remember the line on this, but I would have bet Blades was probably a, an okay at least okay sized favorite. Yeah, he uh, was. He, yeah, and and what happened, bro? It didn't even get to the third for the other guys. So, yeah, say what you will, you know, one-dimensional, whatever, whatever. It's the fight game, man, and, and that's what we always say. Anyone can beat anybody on any night. Uh, you know, so Habib may have showed that lately. There may be one one uh, exemplary there, but it's – you can't have you, – you can't tell me, like you said, I'm with you. If Cipe fought Derek Lewis next, hypothetically, or – or Francis, no matter what. I mean, I'm not not going to watch. Like, I'm going to be interested, and Derek could win that fight in theory. I just think both those other two are probably going to win. Yeah, exactly. And I also want to give a shout-out quickly to Derek Lewis's uh, celebrations, because he, <laughs> when, he, when, when he knocks people out, he goes he does, like, the Randy Orton, like, uh, RKO like kind of pose, where he's, like, uh, you know, on his... He's, like, sprawled out on the ground. And uh, after he won, he did that, and then he transitioned into a – oh, he did something right afterwards, which I can't remember. And then after that, he was doing DX crotch chops. Like, he did, like, three pro wrestling taunts back to back to back after his <laughs> knockout. And I was like, okay, all right, I see you, Derek Lewis. Um, so I thought that was pretty funny. And, and then – We talked about the needle, right? Has yeah. there been a more used – like, <laughs> we have, one of the most yeah. used memes and gifts ever in MMA, Derek Lewis. Yeah, my balls was hot. <laughs> um, I remember like he got a deal with it was either Popeyes or KFC at one point, which was like the funniest thing ever. Like he was just out there like talking about how much he loved K. I, it was one of the. It was forgive me for those of you who are avid fans of of either establishment, but I would just say for the story's sake, it was KFC. It was something where, like, he hadn't been going to his hometown's KFC for whatever reason. And, like, they found out about that. He brought it up in an interview. And I'm pretty sure he has, like, lifetime membership, like, for free KFC in his hometown. or so. It's, like, this one location where he lives. He can just go pick up KFC or Popeyes or whatever it is, like, whenever he wants. It's pretty funny. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's what Derek Lewis is out there doing. I got to respect it. Um and he's always just every time I see him doing an interview, like like where he's, uh, you know, like Skyped in from home for an interview. He was all he's always so stoned. <laughs> <In this interview, laughs> like his blood red eyes and just giggling at stuff like 
I mean, so he's he's out there living his best life. Um, and this was also a battle of great walkout songs, by the way. Yep. Uh, Derek Lewis coming out to Fat Pat and Curtis Blades coming out to the Mortal Kombat theme song, which is, you know, that trailer came out last week. I was so say, great time about that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and then like just just kind of for the record with Derek Lewis next, man, I would yes. say I would say like there's two really good options. Uh, if you ran it back with Volkov, I'd be totally happy with that because, like I've mentioned, Volkov won pretty much that entire fight into the last 10 seconds. So, like, and Volkov just beat the hell out of Alistair Overeem. So, that's a fight that I think I'd be really interested in. Lewis himself has said he's interested in fighting Overeem, which, like, I'm not against. I just don't think it makes as much sense. Um, I think Lewis would kind of run right over Overeem now, but. Maybe that's kind of why he wants to fight over. Yeah, because you know, winnable fight. Um, and that's and a good so, name fight. Yeah, exactly. And and Overeem's still going to be dangerous. He just looked really, really bad against Volkov last week. Um, and now that's a lot because of Volkov and what he did. But like, Overeem looked gun shy and confused. Like he didn't. He looked like he didn't want to be out there. That's just my personal opinion. But um, and obviously, I'm a huge Overeem fan. It was just kind of hard to watch. It was. Um, but uh, so you can run back Volkov in in Lewis, or you can have him fight the winner of uh, the fight coming up this weekend that we're going to talk about, the winner of Rosenstrike and Gain. Uh, I think that makes perfect sense too. Especially, I mean, I shouldn't say especially because I like both guys, but like aesthetically speaking, if I were to see Rosenstrike on one end and Lewis on the other end, like that just to me is like a. You know what I mean? Like looking at those two dudes squaring off, those are two bad motherfuckers who, <laughs> you know, they look the same and they fight the same. And it's like, that would be a fucking scrap, I think. Um, and Gain, I think, just takes a bit more of a cerebral, cerebral approach. Like he's smarter about the way he fights and he's a bit more technical. And we'll talk about him and Rosenstrike here in a second. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like imagine Lewis and Rosenstrike. That shit would be wild. That is why, yo, no, that is, that's a, that's a fight night paper or a fight night main event that you put that on Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. I don't care, man. I'm, I'm there. Like I'm in on that one. Um, Hey Derek, again, what else is to be said, bro? Knocking them out 50,000 in the pocket. Derek Lewis living his best life. Wants to fight over him. Don't blame him. That I think again, that's a big name fight. That's a, that's a good knockout possibility. So yeah, man, uh, black beast, and the dub now. I think I just looked twenty-five and seven now, I believe, is his career record. Yeah, twenty-five, seven, and one. Um only thirty-six. I'll be honest. I always I think Derek's a little closer to forty when I think about him, but thirty-six. Uh Derek Lewis is the guy, man. He, he's 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 a he's one punch away from putting your lights out. Doesn't matter how big or small you are. Yeah, for sure. Big win. In our, oh, do you have anything else you want to say on Lewis Blades? Nope. That's it. Cool. The co-main event was a catchweight fight. Uh, there were a few, maybe more than a few, honestly, miss weights uh, on this card. Uh, most of them ended up, of course, being catchweight fights. The uh, the only one that was not did not happen. Um, that was bad though. What was it Pat? It was supposed to be Pat Sabatini and uh, and Rafael Alves Alves missed by 11 and a half pounds that is the heaviest weight miss in UFC history missed so by that two weight missed by two weights oh god bro that's so <laughs> it's so embarrassing that's did not happen of course you can't <laughs> there are 
moral and legal laws against <laughs> two weight class differences. This is not this is not the Wild West. So that one didn't happen. This did catch weight. Ended up being at 138 pounds. Uh, Yana Kunitskaya beating Ketlin Vieira. And Vieira was the one that missed weight. She ends up losing. Unanimous decision, 29-28 across the board. Uh, again, I hate it sucks when we have a catch weight situation, bro. But uh, but the person that made weight wins, and that's always good. And uh, it's two fights in a row now for her. Yeah, and this was one where I flip flop my prediction on the show last week. My predictions on the show were bad, by the way. Like I got a lot of stuff wrong. But you know, this was one where I flip flop from Kuniskaya over to Vieira. Um, and it wound up being a close fight. I mean, Kuniskaya got the job done. She she definitely won. But it's it was a close fight. It was a good fight. You know, Kuniskaya definitely needed the win. Like they uh who, who was she uh who did she just beat before this? Oh yeah, I can't even attempt that name. <laughs> uh, but uh yeah, two unanimous decision wins in a row now though. Um that's following her loss to Aspen Lab where she got knocked out, so yeah, needed the last win. five though, you know, big big picture stuff. For whatever last sure. five dubs, the only other loss before Lad Wright was Cyborg back in 2018. Yeah, yeah. So, and and that's that was the thing coming into this is like Kunis Kai and Vieira have shared the octagon with a lot of really big names. So, you know, you Kunis Kai needed this win, and and she got it. So, but that puts her in. Let's see. Let me, let me see where she's ranked at. Why am I not? Is was she not? Was she not ranked going into that fight? Sorry, I'm like looking through the UFC rankings right now. And I'm not seeing her for some reason. Where's Caitlin Beer at? What the heck? Anyways, I was gonna kind of see. Oh, my bad. I was looking at. The fucking flyweight rankings, not the bantamweight. I forgot it was a catchweight fight. It all screwed up there. So Vieira was seven and Kuniskaya was six. Sorry, Vieira was six and Kuniskaya was seven. There we go. I was getting real confused there for a second. Um, so yeah, I mean, this puts Kuniskaya in line to... I mean, she'll fight someone in the top five next, probably. So, yeah. Puts her in a good spot. It's just, yes. you know, the bantamweight division for the women, like, I mean... I, you know, I think Amanda Nunez would smoke her, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, that's yeah. a tough spot to be in for like any girl right now is like having to fight Nunez. So. No, no. Yeah. It's again, the big thing out of this two in a row, four out of her last five, uh, let's say it again, the, the fighter that made weight that hundred percent did her job, got the win. So that's always good. And she got what 30, yeah, 30% of, of Vieira's uh, purse. So, uh, a lot of a lot of victories on the night for Kuniskaya. Definitely be looking to keep the streak going. Two wins in a row. Uh, next time we see her in the cage. Uh, more from this this main card. We had Derek Minner uh, beat Charles Rosa. This was also a unanimous decision in the featherweight division. 30-26, 30-27, 29 So each card different. Uh, and Minner uh, getting the getting the win, man. Yeah, and Rosa's a tough guy. Like, there was a few transitions and submission attempts during that fight from both guys that were really impressive. And the fact that Minner was out there and won all three rounds, like, very impressive against a really tough guy in Charles Rosa. So that, that was very impressive. Very, yeah. No, I thought the same way. Uh, this was one that I knew uh, I was on the clock um, when this this card happened live. I had to go back Sunday and and watch it. 
this was one that I knew I'd got like an update from a buddy of mine watching. Like I kind of told him, you know, Charles Rose is pretty tough, kind of hyped him up a little bit. Uh, and then Minner got the win and he was very like, yo, you know, dude's tough. At the, well, from what you were saying, this has to be a pretty good win. And I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. A little surprised. I thought Rosa had, was gonna was gonna come out with the dub. So uh, very impressed by Minner again. Unanimous decision. Uh, no no bonus, but uh, his second win in a row. And same way, four out of his last five uh, for Derek Minner. Gonna keep that going in 2021, man. The uh, the next one I know we, we were both want to really kind of dive a little deeper into Alexi Olenek getting uh, getting beat, man. First round. TKO Chris Dawkins with the the dub and uh, the 50k performance of the night bonus. How about the uh, the the first round finish for for Dawkins? Who now this dude had never gone. Sorry, he's won a decision one time. All of his fights, one decision, uh, usually TKO or knockouts, uh, and he adds another one to it with the uh, with the win. Yeah, this was definitely the biggest one of his career. I mean, olenek has been around for fucking forever ever um you know and this is where you start to get really worried about a guy like him because it's like this was his was... 75th fight uh, like... <laughs> yeah that's so wild when was his debut like 99 or something like that his his professional <laughs> i would say yeah professional debut he fought three times the first night of his professional career in 96 in that the is... fucking ukraine bro what a badass yeah this dude fought Chael Sonnen and Bodog fight back in 06. It's <laughs> <laughs> so random. All these random fights against Jeff Monson. I remember when he fought uh, Mirko Krokop. Yep. Um, man, that's... Yeah, what a wild, long career this guy's had. And he's fought everybody. I mean, every... So many of these big names throughout the history. I mean, that's just... that's. It's cool to see uh, somebody have the career he's had. And just start to get worried when, like... How I wonder how old he's probably not even that old. What forty three? You you'd think he was much older, um, based on like the miles and the longevity of his career. But like, you know, now you know he got beat up by Derek Lewis, got beat up last night or on Saturday night. You know, these are like definitive. You know, he's getting beat up. You know what I mean? And so it's like, do you want to keep seeing that happen? Do you put him in there with? Because putting him in there with Chris Dawkins is like, it, that's putting him in there against like a, a you know, an up and coming guy. So do you put Olenek in there more with like an Overeem type? I know they fought before, but like, you know what I mean? Like, do you, do you use it more yeah. like legend? Do you do like Olenek and in, in like, uh, maybe do Olenek versus Arlovsky? You know, we'll talk about him in a second. I mean, that might make sense. Something like that. But I don't really want to see Olenek going out there and fighting like the next generation of guys. And if you can't do that, I'm cool with like some legends fights, but that'll also only last for so long, especially if he's losing those to where it's like, yep, he's, he's just, he's got to kind of look at his, at where he's at right now and make some big decisions. I think. Yeah, no, that's, that's the tough, the toughest, toughest, absolutely toughest part of this, uh, this career, man, this crazy fight game is where we're at, I believe, with Alexi Olenek of Wendy Walkway at what point, you know, 75 fights at, at his age, 43, man. Like, that's all he knows, bro. 96 to, he's got wins in like every decade since like 96 to 2020, man. It's fucking crazy. Um, yeah, great win for Dawkins again. Uh, you know, this is what his, this was his 14th fight with 
10 of those ending by knockout, uh, sorry, 10 of those wins, excuse me, by knockout. He's lost twice by knockout. He submitted once and the decision. So uh, very different mileage on these guys. Uh, keeping keeping the wins going, though, for Doc is uh, staying undefeated now in the UFC. Two wins in 2020. Now this one, 2021. Back-to-back performance of the night. So not only is he winning, man, he's getting that check. Uh, that extra bonus in the check. So definitely a name to keep an eye on uh, the rest of 2021. Hell yeah, man. He did exactly what you want to be doing in the heavyweight division. Like you're, if you're at heavyweight and you're getting finishes, like that's all, that's all the UFC is wanting from you. Like that's, that's why they book heavyweights. Like they're, they want you to knock people out. They want you to, I mean, every now and then you get someone like Olenek or like, a, um, like a Frank Mir or some, you know, they got mm-hmm. good hands, but like, you know, on the ground too, they're like wizards on the ground, Noguera, um, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's like, you know, the UFC, I think, and it's also like the general public, I think, when you see UFC, when you see heavyweights, I should say, um, I think people kind of expect finishes because it's big, powerful people. And, um, and this is exactly what you want to do. He went in there and he finished, uh, you know, a legend of the sport and, He'll get another, I'm sure he'll get another name next. No, yeah. Speaking of names, the uh, the fight that opened us up, the uh, the main card, Andre Arlovsky losing rear naked choke submission, second round, Tom Aspinall, who he himself, like Dawkins, adds that uh, that performance of the night bonus. Uh, heavyweight division, man, again, right out of the gate. Uh, we we both know we, we both are fans of Arlovsky. You have made it very clear you'll pick him against uh, you know uh, Thanos if you've got a um, <laughs> tough to watch man to see him go out like this. Uh, I know for both of us, but really uh, you know uh, second round rear naked choke. Um, that's tough, man. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, you know, to credit to Orlovsky, though, like they're in the middle of the first round, Aspinall was really teeing off on him. Like he had him up against the cage mm-hmm. and he was landing to the head. Then he was like landing a lot to the body. And the referee was telling Orlovsky he needs to move and and all this stuff. And the fight looked like it was about to be over. And then Orlovsky like bit down on his mouthpiece and started swinging back. And, you know, he fought him back for the rest of the first round. And then the second round came along. And Aspinall just got Arlovsky onto the ground and, and just choked him. And Arlovsky almost didn't even defend the choke. It was like, and I don't think he, you know, I don't think he intentionally let him get the choke, of course. But I think it just all happened so fast that Arlovsky yeah. was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just got caught in that. Um, that being said, big win for Aspinall. Similar to the thing with uh, Dawkins and uh, Olenek. Like, I mean, you just beat a big name. And, and Aspinall has now won his last six in a row. And they're all by either well, all of them were by knockout or TKO up until the submission with Arlovsky. So it's like this guy's finishing people. And how old is this guy? Only 27 years old. I mean, this guy's got a bright future in the UFC. Yeah, he's a great. He's a British dude. Like you're always you're always looking for like that next kind of not necessarily personality wise, but like you want you guys like Michael Bisbing and stuff to like be able to put a whole, you know, a whole country and and. A uh, whole part of the world on their back, you know what I mean? So like, he could be that next guy at heavyweight, man. I mean, he he has a lot of potential, and he got the job done decisively against one of my favorite heavyweights ever, Andre Arlovsky. Yeah, no, we've seen some British sluggers. Uh, this definitely feels like one of those guys. Again, ninety three, young gun, dude, twenty seven. 
10 and 2 now, without a doubt, biggest name he's ever been across from. Uh, and he got the dub. Quick shout out, man, uh, you know, for Andre. I know we, we, we're we both, again, big Arlovsky guys, but he made his UFC, the first UFC card he ever fought on was UFC 28 back in November of 2000. And here we are, uh, a little less than a month away from UFC 259. And, uh, and he just, you know, just was in the cage. So, without a doubt, absolute legend. Huge win for Aspinall. Great way to kick the uh, the card off with a finish like that. The only one, uh, the only main card fight we haven't talked about at all. Uh, Phil Hawes, unanimous decision, or excuse me, a majority decision win over Nasordin Imavov. A 28-28 card from one judge, uh, scorecard, and then 29-28 from the other two. So, again, majority decision draw, or excuse me, majority decision win for Phil Hawes in the middleweight division. Um Weird kind of cards, man. Again, uh, it's super close, though. Yeah, super close. And this was the only, this was the only main card prediction I got right all night. So there you go. Hell yeah. <laughs> and it was that close. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude. Hey, sometimes you got to be that close. You got the, you, you got that one right. I think. <clears throat> excuse me. I think my buddy bet on that one. He didn't ask me. He just bet Phil Hawes, and I was like, dude, you were so close to being wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But wasn't Oz get the win? Great main card. Uh, of course, prelim card had like everything was a finish except the quote unquote uh, prelim main event. Jared Gordon catchweight fight uh, win over Danny Chavez. Unanimous decision win there. 30-27, 30-27, But every other fight on this prelim card was a TKO finish in the first or second round, bro. Yeah, and that's all I can really say about that. If y'all want to see some good knockouts, I mean, yep. we had a bunch of people knocking people out with their hands. We had a nice flying knee from uh, Arosa over Landaweir. Um, and Landaweir is like, a, you know, he got a lot of hype going into the UFC. Well, I shouldn't say a lot of hype. He had some hype. I, I knew of him because he lives like around Clarksville, Tennessee, um, and that kind of stuff. And it hasn't really panned out great for him in the UFC so far. But the thing that I would highlight the most, even though it was the only the only fight that wasn't a finish, is uh, Jared Gordon getting that win over Danny Chavez. Because Jared Gordon now, in his last four fights, his only loss is to Charles Oliveira. I mean, like, everyone's losing to Charles Oliveira right now. And his other, his other three fights in that four-fight span are three unanimous decision wins. And it's good to see because he's a dude who, I don't, I don't know, for those of y'all who know his story, who are listening to this, but he's a guy who's like dealt with like serious addiction and like personal problems and stuff. And he's a guy who has spent a lot of his time like helping others through that. So like he focuses a lot of his time and energy on like helping other people and staying sober and that kind of stuff. Um, so it, he's, it's just kind of good to see a guy like him persevering and it's in, you know, two wins in a row now and, Danny Chavez is tough, and and uh, Gordon, in my opinion, won all three rounds of that fight. So wanted to give him a quick uh, recognition there as well. So yeah, yeah, great fight, close fight. Always feels good to come out with a dub, but in something uh, you know that 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 kind of uh, back and forth, man, that's good stuff. Um, the final performance of the night we didn't mention Tom Aspinall. We just mentioned. Oh, here it is. Iman Zahabi with a knockout. First round, big time punch, catchweight division there. Uh, he was our final performance of the night. 
winner, 50K to the pocket. Um, so, like, like Steven said, man, if you miss these finishes, definitely go back and check these out. You know, one, two, three, four, five finishes in a row to, to start the prelim card off. Um, great stuff, man, out of the, uh, the fight night this past weekend. We've got another one coming up this Saturday, February 27th, with UFC Fight Night 186, UFC on ESPN Plus 44, slash comma UFC Vegas 20 headline by uh, in the professional wrestling business some would say this is big meaty men slapping meat heavyweight fight uh, Rosenstrike surreal gone or gain I'm going to go with gone most of the time we talk about this Steven Jensen uh, how do you see this this heavyweight I mean someone's going out right that's the gut the gut reaction is telling me someone's going out yeah, I mean, I think that's the idea here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, when you're looking at what, you know, kind of where what brought us to this point with each of them, Rosenstrike's only loss in his career is to Nganu. He got knocked out in 20 seconds. And that was the kind of fight where it was like, one of the two was just, it was, that was going to happen one way or the other. It was either Nganu was going to go out or Rosenstrike was going to go out. And Nganu just, for lack of better terms, he went out and just established his dominance over Rosenstrike. I mean, but once again, to be completely fair to Rosenstrike, Ngannou's been doing that to everybody since that fight with Lewis. Like, since after that fight with Derek Lewis, Ngannou's done it to everybody. So, you, you almost have to call a mulligan on that. Like, when you're looking at people's records and it's, like, knocked out by Francis Ngannou, it's like, oh, okay, like, that, that happens to everybody. Like, what else have they done lately? Um, so, and, the, and all that being said, I feel like it's a fair thing to say because Ngannou is getting the next title shot and like he very well could be the next world champion. So, you know, that, that, that's, all, that's meant as like the ultimate compliment to Ngannou is like, he's so good and so dominant right now that like, it's just kind of a given that he's knocking everyone out. So that all being said, we had uh Rosen strike. He's coming off of a win over Junior Dos Santos and a nice knockout win at UFC 252. Uh, throughout the rest of his UFC career, he's got wins over Albini, Crowder, Arlovsky, and Overeem. Like I said, the only loss to Ngannou. So that's a damn impressive resume for a guy who joined the UFC in 2019 and has already done all of that, which is like insane. He's been that active. I mean, that's awesome. And then you have Gain, who came into the UFC in 2019 and he is 4-0 since entering the company. He is also coming off of a win over Junior Dos Santos. That was an impressive uh, impressive stoppage there in the second round. Man, it's a tough one. Because the thing with Gain is like he's got real good submission game also. That's kind of the X factor here. Is like Gain's really crisp with his striking, but he's also really dangerous on the ground. And then Rosenstrike, I think, just has it just has ridiculous knockout power. He's He's very similar to, to Derek Lewis in a lot of ways for me. Like it's like the it's a fairly one dimensional game plan, but the power is there. The only difference is from what I've seen up to this point, I think Rosenstrike. Now, granted, Rosenstrike was probably he was losing to Overeem before he knocked out Overeem. It was very similar to the Lewis and Volkov thing, but for the most part, I feel like Rosenstrike kind of goes after people a bit more aggressively and Lewis kind of waits for them to fall into what he wants them to do. And then he just knocks you out cold for making a mistake. Um, so, so the, you know, the kind of the point of the comparison there is like if Rosenstrike comes out and he's aggressive against gain, 
I think Rosenstrike can get the job done. If he's kind of slower and he lets Gain get into a rhythm, and especially if Gain can get him to the ground, then I'm leaning towards Gain. So, like, it really depends, I think, on really the beginning of this fight and how fast Rosenstrike, if Rosenstrike's aggressive or not, right at the beginning of this fight. Um, that said, I think Rosenstrike knows this, and I think Rosenstrike knows that if he gets another big win, like, if Ngannou's your only loss, you're still very mm-hmm. much in the mix. And I'm going to go with Rosenstrike to get this win here. Um, it's a big... It, I shouldn't say it's a big... It, beating Junior Dos Santos is very impressive. It, it always will be. Um, but there's... It, it, there's 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 a difference in, like... They both have that win over D, JDS, but, like, you look at what Rosenstrike's done and you add in, like, knocking out Overing, knocking out Arlovsky, knocking out Crowder knocking out Albini. You know, it's like he just been in there with better guys. This is this is a for the way I look at it is it is a step up for Gain to be fighting Rosenstrike right now. And I think Rosenstrike it for him this is fighting a guy who doesn't have the same kind of name value as all these other guys he's been knocking out. Uh Gain's an up and comer, Gain's super impressive. Uh he had a great Muay Thai career before coming into the UFC or coming into MMA in general like he can very well win this fight. And I think Gain has more ways to win. But similar to the Lewis fight that we saw this past weekend, I don't think that's going to matter because of Rosenstrike's power. So I'm going to go with Rosenstrike. What about you? No, I'm leaning to Rosenstrike. You you kind of you summed up my thought there in the middle saying I, I, Rosenstrike, uh, this is a big kind of step up for, for Surreal. I know he can win this fight, but I do. I think I think Rosenstrike adds the dub, man. You, uh, the only loss... You know what I mean? Like, could very well be the next guy. So, uh, I, I'm, I think Rosie gets the dub. Uh, and, and it definitely has that in the back of a mind that, you know, a big, nice knockout here. Then maybe some words said. And you're uh, you're right there for that title. It's very, very much sooner rather than later. Uh, of course, main event, Rosenstrike, gone, slash gain. Um, big time fight, bro. I can't wait for it. Heavyweight, I know a lot of my boys are they don't really... Normally, get get into the MMA deep. Uh, they're gonna check this one out. Uh, and, the, and the and the co-main event is one I think a lot of people haven't. You know, the, the eyes go to that top one, but Nikita Krylov and, and Magomed Ankalov. That's this is gonna be a fun man. This is a really fun co-main event. Yeah, yeah, this is really good. I mean, I'm gonna go Ankalov as my mm-hmm. prediction. Uh, Krylov, you know, he's coming off that win over Johnny Walker. You know, he lost to Glover Teixeira. That was a close fight. Close, we, we, yep. we talked about Teixeira a little bit before the show. Um, we, what was he saying? He, he says uh, Glover feels like he, the next time he fights, it's going to be for the title. Yeah. I mean, I hope it is. He's, he's getting kind of boxed out with the with the Blahovich and Adesanya thing. But if... I think if Blahovich wins, especially, then uh, Fischer will be next for Blahovich. I'm I'm pretty confident of that. But uh, but yeah, that being said, you look over at Inkaleyov and what he's been doing lately, and you had the uh, the two wins back to back over Kudalaba, but the first one was that was like the weird stoppage thing that like they wound up running it back right away or as fast as they could. Um, so. That's kind of weird, but he's he just looked really damn good in my opinion. He gets a lot of finishes. 
it's a really good matchup. Uh, this is this fight makes total sense for both guys, but I'm I'm leaning Ankalea. What about you? Yeah, I look at the record. I see of kind of how we've gotten here, and yeah, uh, Krylov's been in there with some some big names. That Glover loss definitely doesn't look bad. Split decision, beat OSP. That uh, arm triangle choke loss to you know Blahovich. Those are two. Now, Blahovich is the champ. Uh, Glover could be the champ. Those are not anywhere near bad losses. So I very well think Krylov could win this, but I- I'm with you. I, I just I'm leaning Magomed. I think this is a very well could be a finish. Just how this you know each bring that scrapness. Um, <laughs> big main event or co-main event that that should be circled again. I don't hear anyone really talking about this one. So I, I hope a lot of people are surprised by how good this one uh, ends up being. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't say that better myself. Uh, next up, again, we're going through this main card real quick, uh, hit a couple of the prelims, and then we're going to be out and come back next week with, of course, talking all about this, uh, this hopefully insane uh, fight-filled weekend. And then we're, we're preliming. We're just a couple of weeks out from UFC 259. Like, roughly every title is on the line <laughs> in the entire UFC. Uh, the GOAT, Amanda Nunes, back in action. Um, Israel Adesanya. I mean, there's so many stories. That's it's a few weeks away. We're definitely going to deep, deep dive into that next week. Um, so be be sure for 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 that one. Be ready for that one. Use that fight talk code when you uh, you go over on IWTV. Sure. But uh, in the moment, women's flyweight division, uh, main card this Saturday, Montana De La Rosa versus Amira Bueno Silva. Uh, like I said, flyweight right in the middle of this card, man. Maybe some fireworks with these two. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I hope it's a good fight. I I don't think either of them are ranked at the moment, but you know, I mean, I'm all for it. I'm sure, I hope it's a good fight. Uh, Silva's coming off of an armbar win over Barella. Montella, Montana De La Rosa coming off of a loss to Vivian Araujo. I'm really bad with really really bad with some of these names. Um, I remember her fight with Andrea Lee, KGB. I remember her losing that one down the Moicano and Zombie card. So, yeah, you know, I forgot that she has a win over uh, Rachel Ostevich. Pretty impressive. Oh, yeah? Okay. But uh, there's not a whole lot more out. There's not a whole lot more that really impresses me about either's resume at the moment. Like, I'd say that Silva's biggest win is an armbar win over Jillian Robertson, but then Jillian Robertson is like very hot and cold herself. So like, you know, I just hope it's a good fight. Uh, my prediction, I'm going to go with Silva. Uh, Same. But that's basically just because she's only lost once in her career and De La Rosa's had some patches where she's lost back to back and stuff like that. So just kind of riding that. But yeah, I'm going Silva. Yeah. One and one in 2020. But like you said, coming off a nice uh, armbar win back in September, I think she keeps the momentum going. Uh, next in the Bantamweight division, this is one where we've been talking about on other shows. We're finally going to get it. It's moved around a little bit. Pedro Munoz, Jimmy Rivera. Uh, I'm, I'm another one, man. I'm, I'm fired up for these two finally getting in there and locking it up. Yeah, and I can't even remember who I picked the last time we talked about this because this one's been moved around. But like, this is a really damn good fight. I like this a lot. Like, if you look at their records, it's kind of deceiving because Munoz is coming off of back-to-back losses, but it's a split decision loss to Frankie Edgar and a loss to, unanimous decision loss to Aljamain Sterling, who's fighting Jan uh, for the belt at the next pay-per-view. And then on the other side, you have Rivera coming off a win over Cody Stammen, 
losses to Jan and Sterling, both unanimous mm-hmm. decisions, and that is the title fight, Jan versus Sterling. Only other loss to Marlon Marias, who has fought for the title. So this is a, you know, then you look on Munoz's side too, you know, his biggest win is that knockout over Cody Garbrandt where Cody just threw his entire game plan out the window and they just swung for the fences until somebody fell over. And, uh, <laughs> and to Munoz's credit, he's the one who landed the the KO shot. So, yeah, this is a this is a tough one to call. Um, Jim Rivera defeat Jim Rivera actually won their first fight by split decision, but it was like five, six years ago. So. <sighs> this is tough. This is really tough. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Jimmy Rivera to get the win here. He's only lost to literally the best guys in the division. And um, he's beaten some good ones along the way too. some really good ones. I mean, he has a unanimous decision win over Uriah Faber. I mean, he's got a, yeah. so I, I got to go Jimmy Rivera, but this is a damn good matchup. Who do you got? I'm leaning towards Munoz because two losses in a row to two, just, you know, absolute names. Uh, I think he's going to come back from those. I've learned a lot. And uh, I wouldn't be shocked if we get a little surprise knockout there. Jimmy Rivera is super tough. I'm a big fan. But something in me is telling me we may be a little surprised. Uh, again, you don't want to – you never want to stack up three L's in a row. So I think we see a motivated uh, and violent Pedro Munoz. But, uh, yeah, we keep saying it. This may be, other than the main event, the one I'm most excited about. Yeah, yeah, same here. This is one of the best fights on the whole show, and I'm glad that they were able to move it to this card yeah. because there's not, like, a ton of name value on this card, and this is guaranteed to be a good fight. Yeah, guaranteed. Of course, it was supposed to be uh, UFC 258. It was moved to this Saturday night. Uh, definitely be uh, be in front of the ESPN Plus when these two hit the cage. Last two fights of the main card, we've got the featherweight division opening things up. Alex Caceres versus Kevin Kroom in the women's strawweight division. Two names that kind of jump off the page, man. Angela Hill, Felice Herrig. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm just getting this pulled back up here. Uh, I was looking at some of these some of these records here. Felice Herring. Where we oh oh for the for the not announced yet. That's right. Um Oh, is that what you're talking about? Wait, sorry. I, I think I just missed what you said. Oh, isn't that do it? Isn't is it? We have that Saturday. Is it Hill and Herrick this Saturday? Are they doing? I have it as Hill and Ashley Yoder. Really? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what changed there, or what if it did change, on? or if I have the wrong info. Yeah, no. This is yours. Is this? It just popped up. In my uh, little feed here, yeah, Angela Hill, Ashley Yoder rematch, late edition to Vegas 20 fight card. Yeah, Angela Hill, Ashley Yoder in here on the, uh, I'm assuming that'll be on the the main card here with Alex Caceres. Still, though, again, Angela Hill, a lot of buzz always around her. So, uh, Ashley Yoder, man, this is, that's kind of, I don't know, man, that that's that maybe feels a little, uh, a little bit more uh, to gain for both of these two. I mean, especially Yoder. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Angela Hills looked great. Like, what's what's she coming off of? Because she's been on a little run. Uh, oh, sorry. She's she's oh, she lost two split decisions. That's right. Super close but, fights. But she was in the main event of uh of that last one. I thought she was on like a streak, but that's I mean, two close losses to two good fighters back to back. One three Overkill. in a row before that. Yeah, 
I mean, it's this is a good matchup, though. Like, and I'm glad they were able to get Yoder because I mean, it had to have been somewhat last minute with it being you know the name change and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, that I mean, I'm interested. I was interested in the, the other one, but yeah, again, anything with with Angela Hill, you know, fights. Uh, she fights so tough, man. I'm with you. It's, you're like you, you think she's won more of these than she has. So uh, yeah, one more time, Yoder Hill this Saturday. Um, I'm gonna say Hill gets the dub, man. Right? I think you know, tough losses. She she comes out with the dub Saturday. Yeah, that's my prediction as well. I'll go with Angela Hill. What about uh, that featherweight fight with uh, with with Bruce Leroy? So that one's interesting because so Bruce Leroy, he's won his last three in a row. One of those was over Chase Hooper, who you know is like the youngest guy to like ever compete in the UFC. And uh, he's been looking really good lately. His last win over Austin Springer, where he got that rear naked choke. Yep. He looked really good. Um, so uh, Bruce Leroy is, is in my opinion, he's looking better than he ever has in his career. He, I always felt that he was a bit overhyped. And he got a lot of pretty big fights when I didn't really understand. I didn't ever think he was like that good. But lately, he's looked pretty damn good. And three in a row in the UFC, no matter who you are, that's you've got to tip your hat to that. Uh, the dude he's fighting is his nickname is the hard hitting hillbilly. <laughs> and uh, this guy has a win over Charles Bennett from 2019, which is pretty hilarious. He's beaten Crazy Horse, a.k.a. Felony, Charles Bennett. So there you go. Um, he beat that Crazy Horse. And right there, which is really funny, I, right where Mo says, shout out Crazy Horse. He fell off the call. So that's going to actually do it for this episode, y'all. Thanks for listening. Uh, basically, Moses' phone completely ran out of juice, and we were wrapping the show up anyway. So that's going to do it. Thank y'all for listening. Once again, if you're a fan of independent professional wrestling, please check out IWTV, independentwrestling.tv, and use code FIGHTTALK, F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K, to get five days for free on the service. So please check it out. Enjoy some wrestling over there. Make sure to follow Moe's on social media over at his Twitter at Moe's K-O-B-K, M-O-S-E-K-O-B-K. Also, make sure to follow me on Twitter at FightTalk underscore F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K underscore. I'll keep everything that I got going on updated right there on my Twitter. We got watch-alongs coming up on Twitch for Fightful. Got my Fightful Weekender. Got more episodes of this. Got my show on Jesse's YouTube channel, J-S-S-I-D-A-V-I-N. All that good stuff, so just check it out. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be back next Monday to talk some mixed martial arts.